0: It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Can somebody shout amen? Yes. Hey. Let me just, would you just smile? Come on, somebody smile. Smile. Big smile. Show your pretty whites. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Something about a smile that is contagious. Amen. Praise God. Well, we want to welcome you this morning to Equip Church. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. We, we uh, former, if you're get, visiting us this morning, we are formerly known as Phoenix World Outreach. Um, and uh, at the turn of last year, we changed our name. We're still working on getting the everything taken care of with the sign. Praise the Lord for that. We're just waiting on God. But we're glad that you are able to join us this morning here in worship. Yes? Is everybody awake? Hey, all right good because pastor rachel's got a word for you guys this morning and you i want to make sure you are in shouting order praise god well, if you're a guest this morning we want to thank you for coming and joining us today we thank you for being a part of our our worship experience here on the weekend um and we're uh, we are a family at this church we are a family church that has an outreach heart amen amen thank you praise the lord so we, we, we believe in reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, um, we are continuously reaching our community and our city for the Lord, trying to change the inner city one soul at a time. Amen. Is everybody waking this morning? Maybe we need to turn the ACs on. It seems a little warm, isn't it? Okay, so I'll, we'll have Antonio uh, turn those ACs on for us in just a minute so we can cool off a little bit praise god well i, I want to uh, before we before we have you before we get ready to pick up the offering this morning i do want to acknowledge a very special guest this morning i know he didn't ask me to do this but i i just honor is due where honor is due and so i'd like to be able to acknowledge pastor angel rosa amen man pastor angel many of you don't re- re- know and realize that pastor angel is actually the founder of this church amen so come on, somebody. Give the Lord praise for my my brother. Thank you for being here today, brother. It's a great encouragement to have you in the house of the Lord. When you texted me and told me you were coming, my heart got excited. Amen. So uh, we have known Pastor Angel for many years, Pastor Rachel and I. we were, Both of us went to SABC, uh, and so he would come down and visit Carrie and Paul uh, when they were, uh, th- these are two students that we went to, to Bible college with, and it was there that the Lord gave me a gave me a, gave me a word and uh, and told me to give the only seventy five dollars I had. I was a poor and broke Bible college student. Somebody, Amen. I'm talking washing your clothes with Irish Spring. All right. I'm serious. You know, recycling your uh, recycling your cans that you drank soda out of and using them for you know to drink water and things we're asking somebody hey can you spare a dime can you spare a quarter and then going and buying a soda because you didn't have any money so 75 dollars for me was a lot of money but god told me give that 75 dollars," and that's what i did and when god i got installed as a pastor of this church the lord opened my heart and reminded me of the 75 dollars was the money that he was raising to build this church amen so thank you pastor angel for your heart for the lost, Amen. And it blesses my heart to tell that story every time, Amen. Well, would you turn your eyes? Well, getting ready to pick up the offering first, and and I, I want you to to dig down deep this morning, Amen. <laughs> I, I want you to dig down deep this morning um, because it because this is God's house and it deserves He deserves our best, Amen. How many say I'm giving my best? Let me gonna hear you say yeah, I'm giving my best. I'm giving my best to God today. And God wants us to give our very best to Him. He doesn't want us to give His, our last or our leftovers. I mean, I don't mind eating leftovers. I love leftovers. Uh, when my mama would make enchiladas, they had time to marinate. Hallelujah. The next day I would have leftovers. But here's the thing. God, God doesn't work on leftovers. God works on first. And so what God wants from us is to give our best to Him, and He will bless the rest. Somebody yes? And so I want you to dig down as deep as you can this morning. I want you to give uh, your full 10%, amen, not a tenth of your tenth, but your full 10% to the Lord, and watch and see what God will do. When I was teaching the, the uh, membership class, I challenged the, uh, the students of that membership class. And I told them, I said, if you will give your full ten percent and trust God for the next ninety days in giving your tithe to the Lord, if God hasn't blessed you in those ninety days, I'll give your your money back. It was a money back guarantee. Amen. And then I, after I said it, I thought to, I said to the Lord, Lord, you better not let me down. And He hasn't. Every single person that has trusted God in that time that was in those in that class have each of them have experienced their blessings and so i'm going to tell you by faith today just take a step of faith And in the next 90 days i want you to give your full 10 percent and see what god will do in your life and watch how god will bless you how many are ready to take that challenge amen amen notice i didn't say money back guarantee this time but but i i want you to faithfully trust god and when you give and you say god i'm going to give it uh, the other night my my wife and I we got to go see uh, T D Jakes. Amen. One of my one of my mentors in the Lord, even though he doesn't know me personally. Um, I call him my mentor and I was there that night. Somebody had blessed us with some money from our from our uh, offering to to go to on to uh, for our anniversary and I had the money in my wallet and the Lord says I want you to give that in the offering. And I've already learned I've already learned that what happens when I obey God in my giving and so that's what I want you to do today is I want you to obey God in your giving and see what God will do amen would you take your offering and hold it up high this morning as an offering a wave offering before the Lord and let's pray father God in the name of Jesus we bless this offering right now we pray that you would prosper every bird every person who gives generously from the from the depth of their soul father God I pray that you would prosper it and let it flow in abundance in the name of Jesus, I pray. We bless it now, Father God. And Lord, in the next 90 days, I release blessing by faith in Jesus' name. Let every person who takes this this test to heart, Father God, let them see what you do in their life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everyone shouts amen and amen. There's also you can give through the, uh, through the app as well as through texting. The information is on the screen. But would you uh, would you turn your eyes to the screen? We have some announcements for you. And after the announcements, you're going to hear Pastor Rachel speaking to you this morning.
1: We are so happy that you are here today at Equip Church, where it is our mission to equip people to know God and make Him known. This year is already starting out with so many amazing things happening, and we want you to be a part of it all. So mark your calendars for these upcoming events. If you haven't had a chance to attend our Wednesday night cross-training class with Pastor Rachel, there is still time to join. You can sign up in our Church Center app under the Groups tab online, or you can just come to the class next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Hey men, don't forget that we have Spark right here at Equip Church every Saturday from 7 to 9 a.m. This is a time of worship, fellowship, and encouragement for all of our amazing men. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to connect with other men and to grow in your relationship with God. We want you to officially join the family and become a member of Equip Church. We have an exciting opportunity coming up for that Saturday, March 21st from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more details or to register for the class, head to our Church Center app or you can go to our website at myEquipchurch.com. Youth Camp is coming, and we want your teenagers to go. Here's a sneak peek of what they will experience at Youth Camp. We know that they will have an amazing time. But before we can settle on a definite date, we need a deposit to assure their spot to go. So today we are having a parent meeting in the youth room right after service. Let's partner together to help them grow in their walk with God. We are so happy that you are excited about our homeless ministry starting back up. However, we cannot take donations for clothing at this time. We can, however, take coats, new blankets, new packages of socks, and items that can be assembled for care packs. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Thank you again for making plans to be a part of so many things that we have going on here at Equip Church. We can't wait to see you back here next week.
2: Hallelujah. And the Lord good. If you'd like, you can cut the monitors up here. I don't. i got to tell you, I am thrilled about this morning and about what God has been doing. All week long, the Lord has just been moving in this place. Now, Pastor Angel, you have no idea who I am. I was an 86-pound young lady spoke at our Bible college. Never in my life had I ever even heard of a homeless or seen a homeless person in my life. So to be called and challenged to come to Phoenix, uh, I was, to say the least, somewhat terrified. And then I was surrounded with all these guys from Teen Challenge. You have to realize that I come from a town that's no bigger than 5,000 in population. So when I got here, first of all, I had to get accustomed to seeing skyscrapers because I'd never seen a skyscraper, and I'd never seen a palm tree. So I was an overload when I got here. And then for you all to send us down Monroe Street and all those little houses, and I've already shared with you a little bit, I chose the biggest guy from the Bible College who was a Samoan named Joshua Fala. Joshua, if you see this online, I love you to this day for protecting me. And so I, I met with a friend last night, and we were talking, and, 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 uh, and I said, you know, it's a full circle for me, and a circle I didn't even realize that God was doing. A circle that brought me here when I was, I was 19 years old when I met you. You don't recognize me, not because I've changed much. I just have white hair. That's it now. I'm a little more than 86 pounds, but not much. But those formative years changed me. They changed a, a young girl that knew nothing about the streets. They changed a, a woman, and I was just telling Teen Challenge last Sunday night when I preached over there, I said, I don't have a testimony like yours. I was raised in church by godly parents. I was in a home that was filled with the presence of God. I went to a church that was filled with the presence of God. But how many of you know that you can be surrounded in all of that and yet not know who God is? It takes a personal experience with Jesus that brings you to a deeper place. You know, I love that pastors chosen that we would be talking about deeper, going deeper with God. And this morning, I want to open up a conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples in the book of Mark chapter eight. And the dialogue goes something like this. Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? What a question. And I like their responses because they sound similar to something I might have responded. They said, some say that you're John the Baptist. That is not a bad comparison at all. Over 30 years of preaching, I wouldn't mind if somebody told me, you know what, I think that you have the spirit of Elijah as a preacher. I hope I look better than him, but you know, hey. Others said of him, I think that he is Elijah. That's not a bad comparison either when you think of all of the supernatural that happened through this great man. And then some said, well, I just think that he's a great prophet. Well, all of those comparisons are marvelous and they're they're beautiful. How many of you know they're just off the mark? And you know, in our day and age where not many of us communicate face to face anymore, We would have just thought that the conversation would have ended. But Jesus keeps this conversation very much alive. And he brings it to the point where he says, now I want to ask you it on a different level. I want to ask you, who do you say that I am? You see, church, this is a question that has to be answered by each and every person that is confronted with the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't enough that my parents knew who he was. It wasn't enough that my church was filled with the power and the presence of Jesus. There had to come a moment in my own personal life when I had to say, this is who I say that you are. And blessed as I am at the age of five years old, sitting in a Sunday school of a church that could hold no more than probably 50 people and that was on a packed Easter Sunday morning, in a little Sunday school class, my aunt led me in a sinner's prayer. Now, at five years old, I don't know how much sinning I could have actually done, but I will tell you this, that when I prayed that prayer, I literally felt a weight come off my shoulders. At that age, I I did not understand that that was the the sin that all of us are born into. I didn't realize that I was being redeemed of that. As I grew older, I had to come to my own conclusion of who God is. You see, what and how you perceive God has great impact on your life. You'll never trust God more than what you think about him. Pastor has been saying this is the year of declaration for this church. I've been here five months and I've been declaring all over this place. See, you talk about a full circle and then I get to meet you. By coincidence, absolutely not. You know how many places I could be preaching this morning? It's not by coincidence that I'm here. I believe that God has a word, a specific word. You see, how does a human being express who this ginormous, wonderful God that we serve is? How do you describe him? He is indescribable. But this morning, I'm going to do my best because what's at stake is not just where this church is going to proceed, but where you're going to end up. You see, when I grew up, there wasn't as much challenge as to who God was. In my parents' day and age, there was black and white. In my age, it became gray. In the subsequent generations, it became white. And in the current generation, there is no color. And part of that has been because of our higher learning institutions. Most of you know that I am a proponent of being educated. I am a proponent that if God gives you the ability and he's given you a great mind, all of you, he has given you a great mind because he says that you have the mind of Christ. So I believe that if you have the opportunity to go and get education, go and get it for the glory of God. You see, what's happening in our higher education is that at best, our students and our youth are being taught that God is far removed from us. That he is, he is, he is too far away from who we are. That he's not interested in our daily lives. But I've got news for you because the word of the Lord says that his eye is on the sparrow. And if his eye is on a sparrow, I know that he has his eye on me. At best, the agnostics are beginning, have not begun, have been teaching that you cannot know truth. You cannot know God. But the word of the Lord says that the Word, which was from the beginning, made his incarnation, and he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And then this voice that has become so loud in the last decade, say that God does not even exist. I often wonder, if he doesn't exist, then why do you fight so hard against something that does not exist? all of these responses, they're out there. To all of our friends that we talk to, they have all of a response. This morning, I'm not very interested in their response yet. So much as I am interested in that same question that Jesus posed to me. The query to you this morning, and you must answer it, is, but who do you say that I am? You see, Christ This question that Christ posed is simply an echo of his father's question. Do you remember in Isaiah 40, 25? This is our God, mighty, powerful, ostentatious, grand in all that he does, and he poses this question, and he says, to whom Will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. You and I know that the truth is that there are no comparisons which can be made to our God. He truly has no equal, and it isn't because we sing a song that he has no equal and he has no rival. It simply is a matter of fact that God is, and there is nobody and nothing that can compare to the great God that we serve. we have it in here in here we are good with it that God is ginormous that God is massive that God is large but more times than not in our daily walk we don't know how to keep God at the level that he is so we downsize him we downsize him in how we think about him we downsize him in what he can accomplish I get it I, too, have struggled with this. I get why it's so easy for you and I to downsize God, to make him our level. Church, he's not at our level. I don't think there's an adult in here that cannot say that we have not had life's heartaches. I don't think there's an adult in here who has lived long enough that says, I have not been disappointed with life or with someone. I believe that there's people in this room that you have failed dreams. What you dreamt at one point did not come to fruition. And all of these disappointments, all of these things that we allow to come into our path, that sink into the core of our soul, if we're not careful, they are powerful enough to help us lose sight of the grandeur and the greatness of our God see the vision of this church that pastor just shared last Sunday is quite large the more you kept talking the more I kept thinking shut up now you gotta know we're really good friends okay he's like my brother he just kept on and kept on and kept on and I'm like thinking to myself stop stop already you already had us at the five-year mark Now you're wearing me out. Now I've been praying over your piece of paper. It sits on the desk in my home. And it's not one sheet, for those of you that missed our membership rally, it's like five. Front and back. So, I think that the heart of God saddens with all these empty chairs. That's not a downplay on us. I'm just simply stating what I see this morning. But I love that God has given you a vision and you have my full support. I will do whatever it takes that the lost will be known. I live and I breathe so that the lost can come to Jesus. I ate last night with a friend, and she says, you've been preaching for a long time. She says, about how many people have come to know Jesus through your ministry? I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea. And then she says, how many years have you been preaching? I gave her the years. And I can tell you this, I always make an altar call of salvation every time I preach. And somebody always gets saved. Always. You want to know why? Because eternity is a long time to be without Jesus. And I'm not going to stand before God again and have to tell him, I'm sorry that I did not tell this person about you. You see, because I too didn't have a whole lot of trust in God. I too didn't really believe God was really big. And so when I graduated high school, knowing Jesus, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I trotted off to a college on the backside of the desert, and I hid out over there. And you know what happened? In the three months that I was at Bible college, ten of my friends died tragically. And not a one of them, to my knowledge, gave their lives to Christ. I took that very personal, but one day I'm going to stand before God and He's going to tell me, how come you never told Shuggie? How come you never told Larry? How come you never told them? And from that moment on, I decided, God, I want to know who you are. Oh, I don't want to know you that you're the God of my parents. I don't want to know you that you're the God of the revival of Azusa Pacific. I don't want to know you that you're the God that's going to happen, you know, over there in Toronto. I don't want to know you just as a God that happened over there in Florida. I don't want to know you as that revival God. I want to know you as the revival God down in my own soul. You see, in order for us to live out these dreams a pastor has as a church, it's going to take an act of God. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's going to take an act of God because you don't have it and I don't have it. Not even all together we don't have it. But I want you to know that we are going to face some very big obstacles come this year. But I also want us to know that we serve an almighty God. Hallelujah. And that our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask. Hallelujah. Why? Because our God truly has no equal. And what you and I... What you and I got to get is that we've got to answer the question, but who do you say that I am? Do you say that I am God enough that you'll trust me on every level of your life? Will you say that I am big enough that everything that I ask of you, you will surrender it? See, I, I really thought I was in love with God. I, I I preached all over the world, and I really thought I had it until last year when my, when my whole world was shaken apart. See, y'all don't know. You just know me from five months ago when I got here. But you don't know the hell that I had to walk through. My own faith that had to be shaken. My own faith that had to be stripped. I came down to nothing. I lost everything. I lost it all. And in the midst of losing, I can't wait to meet him. Isaiah 40, 12. Listen to how he says. Listen to what he writes. He writes this that God speaks of himself. He says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? That's our God that he's talking about, by the way. You know, this morning, as this worship team was leading us in worship, I couldn't help but think, God, we are worshiping a God who is far above anything we could ever imagine, anything we could ever think of. He's on levels that you and I know nothing about. Our God truly is massive this morning. And you don't trust him. Come on now. You see, as an evangelist, we just go in and we blow up the place and then we leave. <laughs> as a pastor, I don't have that luxury. That's why I'm preaching the way that I preach to you. Somebody told me not too long ago, Are you? why do you always preach so hard? I thought to myself, buddy, I'm not preaching hard at all. I've been preaching all encouraging. <laughs> Wait until I preach a hard message. I'm preaching to us that our God is for us. He's not against you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've had. It doesn't matter what you've lost. Our God is for us. Hallelujah. (laughs) We've got to right-size Him. You know, in Spanish, we use this term, I-T-O, ito. And ito... It's used to bring things down to size. Yo tengo un carro. But if you have a little car, you say, yo tengo un carrito. I have a car, but I have a little car. Can I tell you this morning, we do not serve a Diosito. My grandparents had him in a corner. You already know they had him in the car. And I used to sing, I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I've got my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. But I soon found out that he's bigger than the dashboard of my car. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, seriously, think about this, church. What God, what other God asks such a ridiculous question? Who else holds the ocean in the palm of his hands? I mean, honestly, think about this. Um, I need three big guys. I mean, big. Uh, Phil, come over here. You're standing up already. Come, come, come. Run, Run down here. Hurry, hurry. I need you. Robert, come here. I need you. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I need a big man. I need big men. One more, one more, one more. Uh, Aaron, come on. Yep, your wife pointed you out, so you're coming. Turn around. Turn around. Thank you. Yeah, all right, I'll take all of you. Thanks. Now, I want you to get this verbiage, and I know I'm sorry, uh, cameraman, that I'm out of the light and all of this, but this is really important. I want you to get this. God says, I hold the oceans in the palm of my hand. Does he not? I want to see how much these big men can hold. This is a cat full put out your hand, buddy. Without dripping any of it. Ooh, that's good. One. (gasps) Oh, man. Two. Oh, jeez. I'm not trusting you too much. One. (sighs) Dripping. I'm not trusting you. But I will, because you're my hito. He's my son, so I trust him. I I spilt that. That wasn't... That wasn't Phil. Ooh, Phil, you're not a good husband here. Yeah, uh, three, but that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, Robert, let's see what we got here going on. One, two, ooh, girl. Te rayates, mija. Okay, maybe maybe not that much. Yeah, yeah, he's already dripping here. And, and the two. Okay, my avard. Let's see uh, how- Avard. Avard, I'm sorry, baby.
1: Uh-oh, I uh, think I got it. I'm the winner.
2: You're the winner. <laughs> these are men, these are men that I'd go out on the streets with any day to go witnessing. Any day I'd go with these guys. But you know what? As big as they are, and as powerful as they are, and as much as they love God, they still don't hold up. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. I want you to consider this very quickly. Very quickly. I want you to consider this. That our world, when the Bible says, who else holds the oceans in the palm of his hands? Right now, for just a moment, I want to take you on a little geographic tour. 71% of this earth is aquatic. Meaning that there are 140 million square miles of water on this planet that you and I call our home This planet has one very large ocean We have devised to give it five names The Pacific, which is 59 million square miles The Atlantic is 41 million square miles The Indian is 28 million square miles The Antarctic is 7 million And the Arctic is 5 million square miles And the deepest part of these oceans is 6 miles deep And the greatest aquanauts on this planet have only explored 5% of these vast oceans. How much water are we talking about in daily living? It would take, put up the next slide, please. It would take 352 sextillion, 670 quintillion gallons of jug to hold the waters of this world. And God says of Himself, I hold them in the hollow of my hand. God is saying, one like me. There is no God that compares to me. There is nobody that is my equal. You can trust me because I'm not at your level. I'm not your Diosito. I am the God of the universe and greater. The Bible says to you and I, we can trust him emphatically because he says, and when you go through the deep waters, They're not deep to him, my friends. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through fires of oppression, you will not be burned up by the flames. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel who saves. I repeat to you this morning, our God has no rival. We have got to right-size him this morning. He is not our size. He does not think like we think. He does not process like we think. And he is working on a canvas that is larger than you and I could ever begin to imagine. Think about this. He said, who else but our God would state these words? Who has measured? the heavens with his fingers thumb to pinky i know hawaii thinks that they they actually created this but it was god first he was measuring off the universe i can't even measure my face and god was measuring off the universe In the same dialogue, God says, lift up your eyes. Lift them up to the heavens. Who created all of this? What a question. You know what I love in Scripture? That there's not a human voice that dares answer this great God. God answers for himself in third person. He says of himself, he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power, because of his mighty strength, not a one of them is missing. What imagery Isaiah paints of this great God that you can trust with your life this morning what immensity of power Isaiah speaks to us regarding a God that you and I sometimes forget and bring him to our level. Scientists alone say that there are anywhere from 1 billion to 4 billion stars in our galaxy alone. And the God that we just worshiped this morning is the one who has hung them out on the sky's night. He has hung each one of them by name. Therefore, my friend, this morning, it is no big deal to God for him to number the actual hair on your head. They're not counted. They're numbered. God knew that number 365 fell out of my head this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's got the details about us. The scriptures tell us that the heavens are proclaiming the glory of God. The skies in all of their greatness are shouting to us, your God is really, really big. He's big. He's a great big God. The Bible says that night after night and day after day, the heavens proclaim the glory of this great, majestic God of ours. You know what they're shouting, the stars? I don't believe that they're up there singing, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder where you are. I believe they shout down to us that you can trust him. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. our part of the subdivision in the universe is called the Milky Way Galaxy I know you think that you live in Phoenix no you live in the Milky Way Galaxy and it is 100 light years large for some of us to even get a sense or a glimpse of the size of the canvas on, upon which God works, the most brilliant minds have had to give us what is called light years. And you might be asking me, what is a light year? Forgive me this morning if I'm not very scientific because I'm not a scientist, but I do know this, that a light year is how fast light travels in one year and it travels at an enormous amount of speed it travels at 186,000 miles a second that's faster than I come driving down Grand Avenue from Peoria (laughs) some people say oh I wish I was there when God who had created the world no you don't immensity of God. When God said, let there be light, and the cosmos lit up. What was happening is when God opened his mouth, things like the sun came out of it at 186,000 miles per hour. And in one year, light travels 5.88 trillion miles. Inch insignificant. Foot not gonna help us miles really just in case you're from england kilometers they ain't going to help you here either you see god deals with the universe the way you and i deal with things in our home we move this couch here and we move that bed here and we move this tv here and and god moves on a canvas that you and i have yet to be even knowledgeable about and just, just in case you're wondering, where are we at in our universe? Well, next, stop, next slide please. We aren't even in the center of our own universe. We live between some bands in a very precarious location. And what's even more deflating is that we aren't even the biggest in our own cul-de-sac, meaning our solar system. We aren't the biggest, the baddest. One of the astronauts, when he looked at a picture that had been sent from the Hubble, It took five months for it to download, so if you think you have download issues, try getting downloads from outer space. It took five months for each pixel of this picture to come through. And in that picture was a moat of dust. And the astronaut said, every human being that has lived has lived their life on that moat of dust. Maybe you're saying here this morning, Pastor, you're making me feel small. No, I'm not making you feel small. We are small. You see, the fall of man cheated us. And it made us think that we're something bigger than what we really are. It gave us an ego. And even as Christians, our ego and our wit impresses us. And we walk around with degrees and knowledges and money and cars and homes and whatever else that we have, and we become impressed with it. When in actuality, we are nothing. There is only one great God. That's why you hear from this pulpit over and over. It's not about the name of a church. It's not about the name of preachers and pastors. It's about the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's all it's about. It's just been about His name. I'll go as far as saying this morning that I think some of us in here think that we are so smart that we can advise God about the affairs of our lives. You know I can, why I can tell you this? Because I've done it myself. Oh, come on. You're in this boat with me. I'm just driving it. You know how I know? Because how many times have you done what I've done? You come to pray and you tell God, hey, God, I love you and you're marvelous. Now, I think you should do it this way. God, you should not be challenging me this way. God, I should not give you a tithe. I should not give you an offering. God, I should not have to say sorry because I didn't cause it. moment for this church to be silent because you know you've done it as I've done it and God in all of his beauty and his gentleness he answers us like this Isaiah forty thirteen. who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord knows enough to give him advice or to teach him has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice does he need instruction about what is good I'm sure thankful that he does invite us in and he says come and reason with me and we come in like we own the place And we could not even think like he thinks. Because God has always been open with us, you know. He never lies. He's always just so open. And he says, look, your thoughts are not the way I think. Your ways are not my ways. So who do you want to trust this morning? Yours? he is. Amen, (laughs) Abarth. Church, there's a vast difference between us and God. Who are we that God should even be mindful of us? Or even care about you? But he does. He said, I made you a little lower than the angels. And I didn't die for angels, but I did die for you. Somebody in this church has to come alive in trusting God for something big. at the beginning of creation we come in on day 6 everything is already done team, you better come because I'll just keep preaching. <laughs> Who is this big, great God of ours? I love how the songwriter writes it. He writes these amazing words, and he says, You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words. too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing I've ever seen or even heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can phantom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above. And this great big God as to you and I this morning, I want you to enter in with boldness and confidence to my throne. Room. Ask me anything in my name, and see if I will not answer. So this morning, no big hoopla. A simple declaration to you. Number one, if you have not made Jesus your personal Savior, you've not had a personal encounter with him, this morning is your moment. I'm not going to ask people to bow their heads. I'm not going to say, raise your hand. I'm simply going to say this. These altars are open. And I would love the opportunity to introduce you to your Savior. The second altar call I want to make this one. For those of you who need to take your trust level to the next step. It's easy to say it, you trust God. That you can put your faith into action. Would you stand with me this morning? I'll have you sing in just a moment. I stand, I stand in all of you. What is it that's held you back from trusting God? Has it been broken dreams? pastor sings the chorus of the song that i just vocally gave to you i want you to make your way to the altar not to me but i want you to start talking to god say god i do want to trust you you know our church